Welcome to episode 217 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure and Marquez sneezing in the background. On this week's episode, we have our good friend, longtime contributor, Almighty Todd, talking with us from his home in Stockbridge, Vermont. And the Almighty and I discuss President 45, Sessions, Russia, Lies, Warships, Pipelines, Being the Other, Immigration, What the Definition of Intelligence is, Loyalty, also Truth and Anarchy, and uh, Kleptocraticism, a new phrase perhaps coined, George Orwell's 1984, How We Are in Deep Doo-Doo, and Our Better Angels as well. We also have an EWSA by yours truly titled The Flower, and a poem called Dong, and an excerpt from Henry Miller's Nexus. All of this, as is always the case, will be, is, immersed surrounded by several great tunes. Nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 217 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Of civil 
got the war will never be over Cause war is our bread and butter Cause we're living a lie This isn't no place for any other Living creature that doesn't think like you and me Yes, now we're getting to the root of the taker story United States idea? Who truly understands its inception and intent? Which of its citizens will cater more so to its essence and ideals over their pride and fear? Which are more interested in using their energy and intelligence to support, explore the pursuit of happiness, steeped within human inalienable rights and justice for all? Can a mystic sense of an all-powerful superhuman force watching and judging 
take us to some otherworldly promised land, especially when we so brusquely ignore the verve and tenets of the love seemingly inherent deep in the superior notions of that up high in the sky super spirit man. How is it that the bending stem and yellow, violet, red, black silk petals in the sunlight emanate more grace and pure beauty than we rot-gut animals unwilling to take a stand. Instead, we ignore and listen, prostrate souls to the ignorant hate-clamor selfish clan, beating us slowly down, 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 into an abyss of illusions accruing us nothing of substance as beautiful as the flower. It towers nonetheless, and we step upon it as we overlook, disconnect, and further into the abyss digress. I had a dream, I'm not sure what it meant. I dreamed Donald Trump was our president. There on election night right by his side His flunky Chris Christie along for the ride But it gets worse Wait, there's more He made Jeff Sessions Secretary of War Just like he promised He built him that wall He blew up Cuba and he carpet bombed Montreal I had a dream I woke up in a cold sweat Donald was elected in a huge upset He made a bad deal with Putin A secret pact with Assad He told the Pope where to go I swear to God For the Supreme Court, Trump got to choose. He filled the vacancy up. Lion Ted Cruz. His face was bright orange and his hair was just weird. But we were made great again, embarrassed and feared. Here's how it went. I dreamed that the Trumpster was our president. His little finger on the button, he was doing his thing. Our new national anthem was my ding a -ling. bought and sold like in Monopoly he had the most hotels in the land of the free locked up the opposition and the demonstrators too that would be me and it might be you
I'm not sure what I meant When I dreamed Donald Trump was our president Wasn't even close, he wanted in a landslide Our new hot first lady, she was beaming with pride If you think that's cool, don't fool yourself He made Ben Carson Secretary of Health Sarah Palin, Secretary of Stealth. If you think that's scary, just you wait. He made Newt Gingrich the Secretary of State. Rush Limbaugh, the Secretary of Hate. Dreams come true in this prophecy, and sometimes at night. Almighty Todd, is that you, you handsome devil? Is that you, Conundrum? It is. Thank you for gracing us with your presence again on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Thanks for giving me a ring. Oh, it's a pleasure. Regular contributor for years now. It's always a pleasure for me to talk with you, old friend, up there in Stockbridge, Vermont. Good to hear from you, too, there in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, we're, you know. Coal country. Coal country, yeah. We're sick of that moniker. But, you know, you're president. Why would you be sick of it all? you got thousands and thousands of jobs coming back soon. That's right. On the street, don't you? That's what your president number 45 has, has told us. That's right. You know, I, vehement Trump supporter, ladies and gentlemen, almighty Todd here on the program. You happy with his work so far? With uh, whose work? 45. He's not doing a whole lot of work. No, no, he's, I guess, not well. The, not the kind that you would normally expect from presidents. He's going on vacation again to Florida. Again, this, yeah, is he? Yeah. It's pretty much every weekend now, right? Your money well spent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump, president of the United States now for about six weeks, going on seven, I guess, seven weeks maybe. Uh, I'm kind of losing track of it. It's been a whirlwind. Uh, lately, we've been hearing things about the Attorney General, uh, Sessions from Alabama. A lot of good people in Alabama. Uh, he's not one of them. He's been lying, right? He's been working with the Russians. And he's the Attorney General, top attorney in the United States of America, this great country of ours, lying, working with the Russians. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I know he's a uh, top attorney in the country, but I just I found it literally amazing that he answered Al Franken's question the way that he did because he, he essentially implicated himself without having been asked to do so. And that was during the uh, the confirmation hearings. Yeah, what uh, what transpired? Do you remember? Can you paraphrase? Well, he, Franken asked a very long question uh, that I guess maybe could be forgiven for not someone not completely following the whole thing. But if if you're a really good lawyer, that should be no problem for you. Uh, 
And Franken was essentially asking if, in fact, folks from the uh, the Trump campaign had been in communication with elements of the Russian government, and it was found that to be the case, what would he as attorney general do? And he basically said, to paraphrase, uh, I'm not aware of any communications like that. I've been called a surrogate in the past for the campaign, and I didn't communicate with anyone myself. <laughs> Outright lie, that is. Well, it, it, the point is that you know when you're put on the stand, you only answer the questions that's asked. You, you don't a- offer additional information, <laughs> right? That could lead to follow more more questions, and so that was just bad lawyering. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly correct. Uh, see, the thing is, you would presume that uh, a man of his status, as a senator too from from Alabama for a number of years. Would, would be very intelligent. And uh, hopefully, especially when you attain the rank of attorney general, would be thoughtful and wise. But that is not the case necessarily. Uh, oftentimes, probably, it is not the case. It's, he was one of the first uh, supporters of Donald Trump, and that's what Donald Trump likes, loyalty. And I, I don't know. Right. I get, right? So uh, he got this big job. Despite the fact that he, over the years, has shown himself to be someone who, who doesn't really respect the civil liberties of many of our fellow citizens. Yeah, well, and you know, being intelligent, it, it, this doesn't qualify disqualify him from being intelligent. I just think that there's a lot of power drunkenness happening in the, the these inner circles, and I think there's also uh, this pervasive sense of the ability to to do with impunity whatever you will and um i think that that causes people to slip up and make mistakes in this case it's mostly people divulging the <laughs> something that they probably shouldn't that they're going to be asked about or more appropriately, the you know the rest of us finding out about stuff that they didn't think we would figure out, or necessarily care about. Well, we know they know some of us would care about it, but there's a certain portion of the U.S. voting populace that doesn't seem to care about these things and are able to somehow rationalize that this is all in the service of creating a better relationship with. The Russian government. Um, right. No, no matter what the cost or consequences might be, which I, I find fascinating. I I hear th- and terrifying, but fascinating. It is fascinating. Why would you want to be? I guess you could say well, it would bring greater stability internationally. Uh, you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I don't dispute peace. that. It'd be it would be great to have a better relationship. With Russia, I just think that there are a lot of things that are in the way of that relationship. Um, you shouldn't give up your are, principles. Yeah, and that are being completely overlooked. I mean, I don't think I've had I've heard anyone in the current administration say anything about um, the Russian involvement in Syria, and you know it's almost been washed from the news at this point. We've forgotten the fact that hospitals had been being bombed. By Assad, Syria. yeah. Well, no, he, not his warplanes. 
It's the Russian warplanes. Well, Assad has done. Uh, He's done too, but I yeah. mean, the the point is, is that he had a lot of help doing that, and yeah. it was systematic and brutal, right? And not, essentially not worthy of worthy of war crime. Well, um, so status, and you're saying why should we associate ourselves with people who are willing, a country like Russia and Putin, who is willing to to act, to act in this manner, contra to what we say is. Uh, part of uh, our value system. Well, we have to, I mean, in the grander scheme of things, we have to associate them. We inhabit the planet with them, and we both have the largest nuclear arsenals on the planet. So uh, we have to have dealings with them. There's no doubt about that. Um, what surprises me the most is that, you know, there's a lot of talk of this, uh, this bargaining was about lifting sanctions on Russia. Even though Russia's trading with the U.S. is an infinitesimal amount of our uh, foreign trade practices. Good point. And so it seems that there's a lot put at stake for a very little. Well, and it, 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 I think it has much more to do less than with the economics right. than with uh, world status. World status and for Russia or for the United States? Because we, we had better world status before. Uh, oh no, for Trump Russia, would. right? No. So what Russia's do we what do we gain from it? I mean, isn't it just payback? Uh, not, well, I shouldn't say payback. Bad phraseology. Isn't it us just paying back uh, Russia for or not us? Donald Trump his administration paying Russia back for giving him helping him get the election. Well, you know, we we don't know. We we don't know yet. Or is it what the exactly. P-tapes? Is it the P tapes? You know, the, we don't know that those exist yet either. Right. I think that stuff's all in process. You know, we'll, we'll uh, things will continue to evolve in that respect. But I, you know, I think that what bothers me the most is that there really haven't been any clear articulations of what the what um, the United States has to gain from whatever relationship has been forged. Exactly. Other than that, oh, it, wouldn't it be better to be friends with Russia than not be friends? I think it would be better to be friends. I think it has a lot more to do with the individual uh, wealth and assets of the people involved. Exactly. Um, there might be loans that Trump has, uh, or he's hoping to, to open up the market there for his business. Oh, he's been trying to do that for years. Right. Exactly. Um, One of his sons made a statement to that effect a, f- a few years back about uh, the investment from from uh, Russia and a lot of the businesses that they've they've started across the planet. Yeah, well, and that's in kind of contradiction to what he said in terms of we have nothing going on. Exactly, it's total kind. Of, but he lies all the time too. Donald Trump lies, Flynn lies, Sessions lies, Pruitt lies, uh, Devos lies. They all lie. His whole cabinet. No, th- it's like they, a are, they are offering alternative versions of the truth. Right, right. Alternative That's facts. Still, you know, don't, don't forget that. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the, the truth itself is being called into question. That's, that's, the, that's the bottom line because that is uh, something that then muddies the waters so completely that it's hard to ascertain or it makes it harder to ascertain what is actually factual? Well, but, that's you what know, Kellyanne, that's, what, that's her, her job is to do that, to muddy the waters of what truth actually is. Truth is relative to what you believe is true. Well, she's on the sidelines now. 
Yeah, she, but that was her role. She, she got her TV taken away because she hawked Ivana's uh, wares. She'll on, be back. She'll be back. I assume so at some point. And they decided that there was no reason to to sanction or punish her at all for having done that. That was okay. Who's they? You, know, you mean the administration? The, the White House. The White House, yes. What about Congress? No, we, we've, we've investigated ourselves, and we've found no wrongdoing. Well, where's Congress in all this? The Republicans in particular. I mean, the Democrats, too. They have to push. They have to keep, I, I mean, uh, Nancy Pelosi has called for Sessions' resignation. Where's hey, Paul Ryan that putts? Paul Ryan, I, you know, he really... Uh, the Yiddish term putts, I believe it's a Yiddish term, is so apropos for for Paul Ryan, I, I he really bothers me, as as does Mitch McConnell. Don't go using Yiddish terms, or you're gonna, your station's going to get a bomb threat called into it. Oh, why? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, th- Sorry, I don't mean to distract you. But. That, that, that's okay. Well, you know, we we will use whatever term is apropos on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, talking to Almighty Todd about President Forty Five. But you know, let's get back to something bef- that we ta- that we brought up earlier in the beginning of this conversation. The term intelligence. You know, I I have a different definition. Maybe maybe it's not the accurate definition of intelligence. But when you I can't trust the intelligence community. No, no, I'm not talking about the intelligence community. Just when someone. But is I am now. When and some- I'm calling it a question. I'm oh, sorry. When Go ahead. someone is intelligent, they're not going to uh, so easily be able to see or to believe that it's okay to have double standards for for citizens in, in this country. Oh, no, 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 no. You're that's talking not, about that's not intelligence. There's a difference between intelligence and ethics. Well, no, to me there isn't. If you're, an ethic, if you're intelligent, you're ethical. If you're not ethical, then you cannot be intelligent in my view. If you're not smart know. enough to understand that ethics are important, then you're not that intelligent. No, if you're really intelligent, you find a way to get around ethical rules. No, I, I see. I think that is bastardizing, if that's the right term, the, the term intelligence. If you're intelligent, you're kind, you're thoughtful, you're ethical, you have empathy, you have imagination. That's being intelligent to me. You have all those things. If you don't have those things, then you cannot be deemed, in my view, intelligent. You might be sentient at a high level, but you're not intelligent. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you want to hear the dictionary term for intelligent? Yeah. Uh, having a good understanding or a high mental capacity, quick to comprehend as persons or animals. Well, see, no, that goes along with what I'm saying. Well, but it's just high, high mental capacity and ability to comprehend. That well, if can you be, can't that comprehend can use... that ethics are important, if you don't have the mental capacity to understand hey. that being thoughtful and empathetic is important and, and justice is important and principles are important, then, of course, you're not intelligent. Well, no. I mean, you go back to like environmental regulations. I remember back years, years ago when we were, you know, young pups, at Vermont and, Law School, yeah, and talking about, uh, you know, what options there were for people that were interested in environmental protection. And there weren't at that time. There weren't a lot. You could either go and work for the the government, or you could work for a nonprofit, or if you were really intelligent, you could go work for corporations. Whose job was, to, you know, in their legal departments, which was to understand and circumvent any of the legal uh, structures that uh, were, would be protecting the environment, and you had to be pretty intelligent to be able to do that. So again, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get in an argument with you about this, but I, re- I do think that there's a, there's kind of a, there, there is a difference in in how you use intelligence, and uh, you know, I, I, these people are not. These people that are doing this are not stupid. 
I just think that they have some real moral problems. At the same time, wrapping themselves in uh, what they call a higher moral ethic, that they're doing this for American values, even though they don't seem to be values that represent the uh, the majority of our populace. Well put. I hear you. I, I hear you. I, you know, I, and I think the argument is good. You know, uh, you know, and to me, intelligence is something that that is respectable. Um, and if you're unethical, and I'm not talking about gray areas because there are gray areas where you, just because you disagree or someone disagrees with you doesn't mean they're automatically unethical or unprincipled. But there are certain things that are clearly, in my view, and again, you know, you could talk about uh, subjectivity and, and 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 such. But if you make teens who um, are transgendered feel second class and put them in harm's way with the policies that you propagate, then you're not intelligent. Yeah, well, again... If, if you're going to rip I, up... I, I, the, I would counter and say that it's it may be intelligent to use that as a distraction because of all the things that we've got going on in this country that we should be paying attention to, taking time to to basically disenfranchise and, and discriminate against LGBT people. I mean, that just, that blows my mind that we have a, an administration that isn't even fully staffed or even fractionally staffed. And they're engaging in creation of executive orders that kind of impact a, a very few people in this country relatively. Not that there's a moral problem with it, but, that that again is a you know tactical distraction. Well, maybe, but I I also think a person like Vice President Pence is driven in in uh, regards to uh, making certain certain making sure that certain people are 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 kept in a box or kept away from quote unquote normal society aren't allowed to to mainstream. So I, I think that well, is why I'll it happens question- too, and Sessions as well. And I'll you question know? Pence's intelligence because uh, uh, just just having an AOL email account is one aspect, but then to use it for state business, whether it's legal or not, is dumb, outright dumb. Oh yeah, yeah. For you somebody know. that stood by, you know, with a with a hacked AOL account, having people uh, spew about Hillary's email situation. Just you know, smacks of hypocrisy. That's where if you can consistently be caught in hypocritic places, then you're really not that intelligent because you don't have control over your 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 ability to discern your situation. True, and I, I wonder what's going to happen, you know, with this administration. Given there are so many uh, individuals that are are of this ilk, are of this way, you know, of lying. Of, of being ethically and morally challenged. Uh, and also, it seems many of them are embroiled uh, in this Russian debacle. Uh, and it's going to be uncovered, I feel, as time goes on. I mean, where do you think this is going? You think it's going to die down? I mean, there are a lot of our fellow citizens who, who supported Trump who are doubling down. They think, you know, he's still great and, he, you know, he's, he's draining the swamp and he's turning things upside down. That's all this is. And, and uh, you know, we should be happy because the system is no good and he's going to rebuild it. Well, that's the that's, – well, no, I don't think he said anything about rebuilding it. I think all he's said is he's going to drain it. 
and that's kind of code for Bannon's the the deconstruction of the administrative state, which Lemist, is the, yeah. which is the real reason why the the executive branch has not been staffed. They're going to be claiming that they're saving the country a lot of money and that there's jobs that don't need to be filled, um, and that just a handful of people can run run the whole branch themselves, which you know is is foolhardy, completely foolhardy. If you've ever been involved in any kind of a large organization. Yes, sometimes there can be bureaucratic bloat. Yes, there's sometimes people that maybe aren't – their positions are not necessarily super useful. But when you're talking about the State Department of the United States, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Or you know, any – and, and to then be calling at the same time that the, the Democrats are slowing the, the, the number of appointments being made when, when people haven't even been suggested for posts – it's just it's it's really bizarre. It, it is quite bizarre, and um, you know, from my perspective, our taxpayer dollars are not being used wisely, right out of the gate here. You know, even you know, it's even Mattis said that you know, if unless you spend money in the State Department, he has to buy more, more ammunition, and that it actually makes more sense to, f- you know, fund diplomacy than back ourselves into a corner where we have to spend money on weaponry. You know, th- that just seems like that's common sense. So they don't know what they're doing, too. I mean, but I, th- I think you, you did make uh, reference to something that is definitely part of this administration's MO. Ben- Bannon wants to deconstruct uh, our government. And our, I, I guess, and, and subsequent to that, our society? Does it, I mean, he's a Leninist, I guess, right? Uh, that's what I've heard. Uh, I guess so. You know, I don't even know what to make of that. What, what, I mean, what, what is he? What is he trying to do? He's an anarchist. Is that what he is? Yeah, well, and he's a, he's a self-indulgent anarchist. <laughs> you know, I think he has fantasies about, um, you know, this – an idea of a, an idealized state that um, – is not one that I think even people that re- that f- support them fully understand what they're after. But you know, it, but it, it certainly includes the marginalization um, of well, how can I say marginalization of vulnerable classes in our society and the continued uh, move of wealth. To a very a very few people in our society. I mean, we already know that that's a bad thing. In general, it's bad for any any economy, any any country, to have divisions of wealth uh, the way we have it now. And this crew seeks to push it even farther. Do you think they believe that it will indeed um, help more? people in this country uh, create more opportunity if we if we push the wealth upward to the elite so that they can then share with us oh don't give me that that trickle down stuff because that definitely has been proven not to work i i i really honestly believe on some levels that this is the biggest kleptocratic grab that the world has ever seen in full daylight and you know we've got a cabinet full of of billionaires and concentration of wealth only does only one thing, and that's protects them against the uh, the dissolution of civil society and the dissolution of uh, environmental 
safety. You know, if the world starts to go to crap in a handbag, there you have nothing to worry about. You know, it's it's about resource concentration and power concentration. You know, it's becoming a, uh, you know, how can I say, a, you know, to the to the winner goes the spoils, survival of the the fittest or the least ethical, right. and and it's it. I frankly find it disgusting, and the fact that people who really stand to lose a lot support these these folks on some kind of i can't even call it moral grounds it's just it's some kind of ideological position um and that they're somehow going to prosper because of it. it it's ideological uh but not very deep i th- i don't i don't believe you know uh, it's really uh, ideology that uh, is fueled by cliche and and by very very uh sort of you know one two dimensional um, sense of of what this country's past was and and in the glory of 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 uh, certain types of communities as they see it that are you know really never existed uh i don't i don't know that the ideology that's coming from those folks who are not in the elite segment of, of our of our uh, uh, society in the United States, I don't know that their their ideology has has much substance to it, and, and it's also I think partly um, fueled by fear. And oh yes, yeah, certainly. Well, it's been a the this, the whole campaign leading up to this has been a fear mongering effort, and. One of the things I realize is that um, the campaign, the Republican campaign for the presidency was perpetuated through the stoking of fears in a certain segment of the populace and the the winning of the presidency does not nece- – has not necessarily allayed those fears. The fears are still latent in that population. There's just the idea that maybe something will change about it. But what now the administration is doing is creating fear in another segment of the population. Which segment is that? Us? Well, well, I don't know if it's an us, but it's <laughs> uh, the people who stand to to be harmed by the the decisions that are being made now. I mean, I I just saw a a video of uh somebody a, a guy being picked up by ice off the street or excuse me driving his kid to school because he had a drunk driving offense 12 years ago that's awful and his his you know 13 year old girl is sobbing in the back seat of the car and her mother's trying to tell her just be be calm try to be strong while their father's being put in a car and they probably they may not see him again they'll be deported yeah mhm and and the, the, for me, the fact that my taxpayer money is being used in that way is disgusting. Disgusting was 45's favorite term, one of his favorite terms for the campaign. Well, he has spread disgust far and wide now. He's shared it with everyone. It, it you know that there's a the political cartoon that I don't know if you saw of him in a dirty diaper dragging the flag off of a table and pulling a globe of the world down on top of himself. <laughs> Did you have you not seen this no, one? No, I like it. Oh, jeez, it's you you should see it. It's 
it says so much. So where I was going with that is that I, I really feel like there's this – the putting everyone in a fear state, as many people as possible, is one of the uh, tools of the autocrat. So that everyone's on pins and needles, wondering what is he going to say next? What is his decision going to be that affects my life? When that one person should not and really does not have the power to make those kinds of changes. There's, there's all kinds of apparatus in place to make sure that, that you know, a single individual doesn't have that kind of power. But they, that person can still spread fear and anxiety far and wide. And, and that plays right into his narcissistic needs. I mean, I think it's clear that he's a narcissist. Oh, yeah, a malignant narcissist, yeah. I think, is the proper, proper term. And yeah, because everyone has to pay attention to him. Everyone has to be worried about what he's going to do next. And the problem is, is you can't, you can't just ignore it. No, because he'll keep going. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that, uh, what was it? I think it was 1984. Orwell's 1984 said the... The the thing about war is not to win the war, but it's for the war to continue endlessly. Because that's how you retain power. Exactly. Through continued instability. And so we're stowing. I mean, this basically instability is being sown. You know, pretty pretty heavily. It is, and if you break the system down, the governmental system, of course, instability is 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 going to. It's it's sitting there waiting for us. Yeah. Well, Almighty Todd, we only have like about uh, a minute or so. Our conversation went by so quickly this this go round as it usually does. Uh, Closing thoughts on on where we are as as a country, the United States of America. Um, we're kind of in deep doo doo land right now, I think. Um, I mean, generally, the, the kind of, all of the things that make America great are already in place. You know, we have problems, but we also have a lot going for us. And the one thing that, you know, we, we have going for us is that we are the United States. And so anytime someone is doing something to consciously cause division – Inside of our populace, they are undermining the very fabric of what we are. And so I think we just have to be stay vigilant, stay aware, stay informed, talk to your representatives, let them know how you feel, talk to people in your life, have conversations. I will tell you I just heard about an interesting project out of the University of Minnesota, there's a professor there that uh, has a project going on called the Better Angels Project, which is taking people that are uh, were two different groups of voters, you know, once you know, Democrat and Republican, putting them together and helping them to learn how to speak to one another and how to ask questions that are not charged, such that it automatically causes defensiveness. In the person that you're talking to, but really work towards trying to work towards figuring out how to have a language where we can converse with one another. Because I think we've said this before, our current political system, our current Congress is 
a template for dysfunction and a template for partisanship and a template for the inability to compromise. And, you know, we have to hold them to a higher standard just as we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And so, you know, it's very easy to want to score points on somebody else or to question somebody's morality or their, their, uh, motivations. I'm trying myself right now to figure out how to have discussions with people that I don't necessarily agree with to figure out where is common ground. And I'm not talking about the common ground like what uh, Trump is doing in terms of making outlandish demands and then falling back to a position that's more normal so it looks like he's given up something. And like in terms of the pipeline, I think we were supposed to talk about in terms of it's supposed to be made with all American steel and all American parts. Well, they just rolled that back and say, okay, well, maybe we don't need to have it all with steel. Well, that's all with American steel. Well, the first request was, wasn't even rational, wasn't even within the bounds of reality. So now it's supposed to look like a compromise once you come to the center. That's not real compromise. That's not real finding a middle ground. We have to do better than that. Well said, almighty Todd. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your passion and your intelligence here on uh, Troubadours and Rock on Tours, sitting in your home in Stockbridge, Vermont. Stay warm, brother. Oh, yeah, it's going to get cold, so I'm going I'm to light the fires. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the winter in Vermont. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, you take care, brother. Ciao. This is called Rain Roll In. Stays the same. Someday my life will be over, and no one will remember my name. That's alright, is what's in a name. Who needs another one to memorize anyway? Make no fuss over my grave. Just plant something pretty and call it. Like we got
An excerpt from Henry Miller's The Rosy Crucifixion, Book Three, Nexus. I know, she says. So it wasn't you I saw just a few minutes ago. She looks at me as if I were on the verge of dementia. Nothing to worry about, dearie, I chirp. I've been drinking champagne all night. I'm sure now it wasn't you I saw. It was your astral body. Pause. Anyway, Stasia's is okay. I just had a long talk with one of the interns. You? Yes. For want of anything better to do, I thought I'd run over and see how she was getting along. I brought her some Charlotte Russe. You should get to bed, Val. You're exhausted. Pause. If you want to know why I'm so late, I'll tell you. I just left Stasia. I got her about three hours ago. She began to chuckle, or was it a cackle? I'll tell you all about it tomorrow. It's a long story. To her amazement, I replied, Don't bother. I heard all about it a little while ago. We switched out the lights and crawled into bed. I could hear her laughing to herself. As a good night, Philip, I whispered, Bertha Filigree of Lake Tatakaka. Often after a session with Spengler or Eli Faur, I would throw myself on the bed fully clothed and, instead of musing from ancient cultures, I would find myself groping through a labyrinthian world of fabrications. Neither of them seems capable of telling the truth, even about such a simple matter as going to the toilet. Stasia, an essentially truthful soul, acquired the habit in order to please Mona. Even in that fanciful tale about being a Romanov bastard, there was a grain of truth. With her, it never is a lie out of the whole cloth, as with Mona. Moreover, should one confront her with the truth, she does not throw an hysterical fit or stalk out of the room on stilts. No, she simply breaks into a broad grin, which gradually softens into the pleasing smile of an angelic child. There are moments when I believe I can get somewhere with Stasia. But just when I sense that the time is ripe, like an animal protecting her cub, Mona whisks her off. One of the strangest blanks in our intimate conversations, for now and then we have the most prolonged, seemingly sincere talk fests. One of these unaccountable gaps, I say, has to do with childhood. How they played where, with whom, remains a complete mystery. From the cradle, apparently, they sprang into womanhood. Never is there mention of a childhood friend or of a wonderful lark they enjoyed. Never do they talk of a street they loved or a park they played in or a game they enjoyed. I've asked them point blank. Do you know how to skate? Can you swim? Do you ever play jacks? Yes, indeed, they can do all these things and more. Why not? Yet they never permit themselves to slip back into the past. Never do they suddenly, as happens in animated 
conversation, recall some strange or wonderful experience connected with childhood. Now and then one or the other will mention that she once broke an arm or sprained an ankle, but where, when? Again and again I endeavor to lead them back, gently, coaxingly, as one might lend a horse to the stable, but in vain. Details bore them. What matter, they ask, when it happened or where? Very well, then, about face. I switched the talk to Russia or Romania, hoping to detect a glint or a gleam of recognition. I do it skillfully, too, beginning by way of Tasmania or Patagonia, and only gradually and obliquely working my way toward Russia, Romania, Vienna, and the flatlands of Brooklyn, as if they hadn't the slightest suspicion of my game. They, too, will suddenly begin talking about strange places, Russia and Romania included. But as though they were recounting something which had been related to them by a stranger or picked up in a travel book.
Dong. Windowsill makeup and gratuitous smiles as whispering felines carousing the masculine tree line carefully align and mark their targets. A braggadocio, deep-fried, half-baked, sun-dried, fake, afraid to cry, despite all at stake, finds weakness in those who contemplate, but strength through the building of ships for the water and planes for the clouds, armed at steel crotch, set to fire strong, unlike his own neglected human dong.
Episode 217 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. Thank you so much for listening, folks. And I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, my good friend and longtime contributor to the program, Almighty Todd. Wonderful time talking with you, brother. I'd also like to thank Henry Miller as well as these musical artists. Chicano Batman, Loudon Wainwright III, Eileen Jewell, George Guzman, Agir, as well as Brantford Marsalis and Terrence Blanchard too. Have a wonderful week. We are very happy to know you're out there. Take care.